0: listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. In this series, The Gospel of Luke, Jesus for All, we walk through Luke's account of the life and ministry of Christ. All right. Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, I hope that you do. If not, there should be one in the pew in front of you. If you open to Luke chapter 5, we're going to continue our study through the book of Luke. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11 today. So I just want to read those to start out with and then pray. And we'll dive in to see what the Lord has for us today. So Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. And the word of the Lord says this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, He asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats and followed him. Let's pray. Father, we uh, thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for this call, um, not only on the first disciples' lives, but on our lives as well, to leave and to follow. More importantly, to follow you. Or we are so thankful that Peter and John and these men did follow Jesus because we would not be here today without the gospel being. Forth by these men, Lord. And Lord, this is God's way. This is your way to do things. And Lord, you choose to use us to do it. And Father, I pray that um, we will pick up the call and move it forward, Lord. That we would see that we are always following somebody, we are influenced by something and someone at all times. Lord, who is that primary person and what is that primary influence? Is it you, or is it the Word of God? Or is it both? I pray, Lord, today that it's both. Lord, I pray that we will see that today, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Andy Crouch begins a book that I would highly recommend called The Life We're Looking For This Way. He's talking about recognition, because he's he's talking the whole books about the, the life that we're looking for, and, and he compares it to our our electronic devices. And so when he's framing this, he's talking about how many of us have a phone, we pick it up, it recognizes our face, and then it turns on for us, right? So this is the, the context of what he's saying, but it, it really plays into and shows us that we are always influenced by some things and someone, and, and it also plays into who are we following. It's this part of human nature. He says this, recognition is the first human request. After an ordinary delivery, after the first few start, startled cries, a newborn infant typically spends an hour or so in a stage doctors call quiet alert. Though they can only focus their vision roughly 8 to 12 inches away, their eyes are wide open. They are searching with an instinct for deeper than intention, they are looking for a face. And when they find one, especially a face that gazes back at them, they fix their eyes on it, having found what they were most urgently looking for. Recognition is the primary task of infancy. Feeding, crying, and even sleeping are just a support system for this most essential work of figuring out who we are and where we are by making contact with other people, seeing them seeing us, Gradually beginning to build our sense of self through their eyes. So he's saying through recognition, the baby is being influenced by its context and through relationship. Jeremy Pierre picks up the same idea in his book, The Dynamic Heart, where he says, If babies were born into an empty space, even if basic nourishment could be provided, their brains would not develop without the sounds and touches of regular interactions. A linguistic system to shape the way they process their experience, and the testimony of other human beings about who they are. In short, people are relational beings, and their relationality is not merely an implication of being created, okay, and their re- relationality is merely an implication of being rela- uh, created in the image of God. We are made in His image. He is a relational being. Think of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, always in relationship. And this is how he has created us. Again, as a human being, you are profoundly influenced by everything that surrounds you and the relationships in which you interact. God designed us this way. It's not a flaw. He designed it this way. The question Luke has for us today is, what are you allowing influence you. Specifically, who are you allowing to influence you? And put it into the words of, of this passage and our message today, who are you following? Who are you following? Since we are followers of Jesus, I hope all of us here today, then our number one influence should be Jesus, and our guide is his word that we have been graciously given In the Bible, we are called to follow him. As Luke continues to unpack the ministry of Jesus, he now turns to the calling of his disciples. The all important call of God on each of his children to follow Jesus. So, in this passage today, what we will see is three different things that followers of Jesus should be doing. We should hear the words of Jesus, we should see the power of Jesus and we should respond to the call of Jesus. Hear the words of Jesus, see the power of Jesus, and respond to the call of Jesus. Again, last week we left off with Jesus reminding those in Capernaum just why he came. He didn't come to do all the miracles. I mean, they love the miracles, the people being cast, you know, demons being casted out, people um, being healed from sickness, but that's not his primary purpose for coming. And he reminds us that leading into chapter five, he says, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent through this purpose. That's why he came to preach the good news of the kingdom. The kingdom has now come. As Jesus' reputation grew, people were coming from all over to hear him. They were coming from all over the area to come hear him preach. And we picked this up on one occasion here on verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Gennesaret is just another name for Galilee. That's the region that Jesus um, was home base, so to speak, his ministry home base. Um, the region where Nazareth and all these different towns uh, were from, it's just a, another name of that area. They were probably close to Capernaum because Peter was there, Simon Peter. We know him as Peter, starts as Simon and, and he's renamed Simon Peter. Um, so he's there so he's probably, they're probably close to Capernaum. A large crowd has gathered um, and they were coming to Jesus for the right reason. They're coming to Jesus for the right reason. They were pressing in on him to listen to what he has to say. They came to listen to him. God sent him and anointed him to preach the good news to the poor. That was Luke's argument here in chapter four. With so many people pressing in on Jesus, a lot of people couldn't hear. So he sees the boats. So he says, I'll jump in a boat and and push out a bit away so that um, some would say that even the water would help carry his voice so that everybody could hear him. Now, some of those people on the shore that day, that very day, whenever everyone's pressing in and he jumps in a boat, some of those people that day would become followers of Jesus. Because a follower of Jesus listens to his words. A follower of Jesus listens to his words. This is the context of which discipleship always begins. In order to follow Jesus, we must first hear what he says. We must first hear what he says. For those in Galilee, it meant going to hear Jesus preach. For us today, it means reading the Bible. Interacting with the word of God in the company of others. And listening to the gospel-centered, hopefully, gospel-centered preaching. In fact, what the Bible tells us in Romans 10:17 is this: so faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the Word of Christ. So hearing brings about faith. So we must be first and foremost listeners of the word and listeners to Jesus. Again, faith comes from hearing, but faith results. In action, if you think of, of the definition we often use and that I like using of faith, faith is understanding that leads to conviction but ends in commitment. It ends in action. so we have the understanding for the brain which can brings about desires and values, which is a conviction in, in, in our desires and then it leads to action it leads to choices that we follow Christ and what he has called us to do. Hearing Jesus produces faith, which ends in action. The primary action is obedience, which is what we see in Simon Peter right here in the boat. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we told all night and took nothing, but at your word, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Within their interaction, we see the battle each of us face when following Jesus. Each of us face this, and this is because of the fall. Will we hear his word and trust his word? Did God really say that? Peter spent the whole night fishing with no catch. They were cleaning the nets, preparing them, laying them out to dry, preparing them for the following evening of fishing. These are professional fishermen. This is what they do seven days a week. This is their livelihood. This is what they did. They were professional fishermen. And Jesus tells them, go into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Go into the deep, let down the nets for the catch. Here's the the rub we all face. We all face, every one of us, when we're reading the word or we're listening to a sermon or we're interacting with the word of God with, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the rub that each one of us face. And it's the same thing that Peter faced. He was the expert fisherman. He was the expert. He knows from experience that fish are not caught in the deep, in the middle of the day. It doesn't happen. That's not how it works. That's not how God designed it, by the way. But God's going to rearrange some things for this miracle. See, Peter's the expert. He's the expert. And he's like, man, you don't understand. Okay, I'll do it at your word. But I mean, think about Peter. Think about his life. I mean, we have the wonderful privilege of seeing all of the Gospels and being able to read them. But Peter was, you know, he was always on edge, right? He was always cutting people's ears off. And, and Jesus wants to wash his feet. No, you need to wash my whole body. And he was just always on edge. So you, I, I think the tone might have been, like, okay, I'll, at your word, I'll, I'll let the nets down and just show you that I'm the expert. Right? He's the expert. What in the world does this carpenter know about fishing? I'm the expert. That's exactly what Peter's probably thinking, because maybe that's what he's thinking, just because of his, the rest of his character that is revealed in Scripture. We toiled all night, Jesus. How about you stick the preaching to the Word, and I'll stick to the fishing, right? Peter is struggling with the results, again, of Genesis 3, just like we do. We hear the words of Jesus, but first we run it through our grid. We run it through our understanding. We run it through our desires. We run it through our values as we hear the word of God. And when we do this, what are we doing? See, we're, we're treating Jesus as an advisor instead of Lord. So if we're receiving the word of God on a Sunday morning or if we're opening up our Bibles and reading the word of God, if we're in a group of people and we're talking about the word of God and we're consistently running it through our grid, he is just one of your many influencers, one of your many advisors that you have. But he's not Lord. That was challenging for me this past week. Is he Lord? Unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. Unless Jesus is Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. But we do see that he is the Lord of all. Look with me in verse six. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Now he comes back, O oh Lord. When Peter see, sees, excuse me, the power of Jesus, things changed. He sees the power of Jesus. From this display of power, Peter goes from a bit combative to reverent fear. From calling Jesus master because that's what he says, master, at the beginning. Master means teacher, advisor. To the very end, now he says, Lord. O Lord. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. O Lord. If they were not out in the deep, I would, I would venture to say that Peter would have been out of there. He would have just skidded right out of the boat and onto the shore. But they were out in the middle. They were out in the deep. So he fell on his knees. He sees the power of Jesus, and he responds properly. Luke is showing us something that the Bible teaches us that just may fly in the face of some of our understanding of God. To get near God is a very, very unpleasant experience. To get near to God is a very Very unpleasant experience. What the Bible tells us is anybody who actually gets near to God finds they are in deep trouble. They find that they're in deep trouble. Anybody who gets near to God, the real God, that's the point, the biblical God, falls into a tremendous, dire situation. We see this throughout the Bible. Jacob wrestled with God and was permanently disabled. He walked around with a limp the rest of his life. Job gets near God and actually has an experience of the presence of God. And he says this, I despise myself in dust and ashes. And probably the most well-known account of this is in Isaiah 6. When Isaiah actually sees God and what does he say? I feel like I'm coming apart. I'm undone. So this idea that when we get close to God, because we, yes, we we are saved by grace, but we still have sin in us. It's, when we see that, when we get close to him, it's, it's not a pleasant experience. Anybody who gets near the real Jesus, anybody who gets near the real God is exposed. That's what he does. He exposes us. We listen to his word. We see his power and he exposes us for. Who we are. He is holy. We are not. If when you draw near to the real God, there is no conflict, it's not the real God that you're drawing near to. He is holy. He is holy. When you draw near to Jesus, the Holy One of God, as the, as the demons taught us, He's the Holy One of God, it is like a storm on the lake. It always stirs up the junk from the bottom, it stirs up the, the stuff in our hearts. You see yourself who you really are. You wrestle. You know what, brothers and sisters? That wrestling is a good thing. It's a good thing. I mean the spirits that work within you. He is sanctifying you. Because we are not perfect yet. We are not glorified yet. We are a work in progress. Peter understood that he was in the presence of someone holy. And that by contrast, he himself was pervasively depraved. Like this, uh, I get away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. So, in order to follow Jesus, we must see the power of Jesus, which may not be the pleas- uh, may not be pleasant, but necessary. It may not be pleasant, but absolutely necessary. We have to see ourselves as we really are in our sin, just like Peter did. The way we see ourselves as we really are is by seeing Jesus as he really is in all his power and majesty. Now, Jesus doesn't leave poor Peter on the floor of the boat. (laughs) He tells Peter and the others, I have a purpose for your life, a plan for your life. We picked this up in verse 9. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, Who were partners with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. To follow Jesus, we must listen to his words, see his power, and also respond to his call. We must respond to his call. Each one of us in this congregation, every single person here that is in Christ has received a call on their life. From now on, you will be fishers of men, of humans, of mankind, of those that are not saved. This was a new calling, a decisive new direction for Peter's life. He was a fisherman. That's what he did. From this time forward, he would be an evangelist and a follower of Jesus completely changed what he's called to do. Peter, you know, will no longer bring death to fish. <laughs> you will bring life to women and men. To rescue them from the depths of their sin through the proclamation of the gospel. He brings life to men and women. This is what you have been called to do is to bring life to men and women, not by your power, not by your great presentation, but through prayer and asking God to save them because he will save. He will save. Many people fish for sport, and they would call this idea that we're talking about, this fishing for men and women, catch and release because people who get caught by the gospel are released released from sin. People who are caught by the gospel are released from their sin. This is not just for Peter, James, and John, those that were there. The calling is for everyone who follows Jesus. Yes, some people have a gift for evangelism, but the call to tell people about Jesus is for every follower of Jesus. Every one of us is called to do this. One thing to keep in mind, just like a fisherman never knows what they will catch... Your evangelism efforts are up to the sovereignty of God. We are just called to give them the good news. The results are up to him. It is up to the spirit to change the heart. We are only called to cast our nets. Just keep casting our nets. The good news of Christ. God calls us to keep casting our gospel. because this is how we save sinners. And he will save them. When Jesus called Peter to fish for men, he also gave him a promise. You will be catching men. It's a promise. You will be. You will be catching men. He's given the same promise to us. We are to respond to Jesus by casting our gospel nets becoming pitchers of men, but Jesus calls us to another response. Will you leave everything behind to follow him? Will you leave everything behind to follow him? In verse 11, it says, And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Peter and his friends had been studying Jesus, thinking about Jesus, and talking about Jesus. They had listened to him teach and watched him perform miracles. In a way, they even started to follow him. But they had not yet come to the point of making an all or nothing decision to follow Jesus. See, this is what we are called to do, to be a follower of Jesus. We need to be willing to give up our selfish ambitions, our bitter grudges, precious idols, or simply the right to live the way we want to live. We have to give that up to be followers of Christ. How foolish it is for us to pretend that we are following Jesus when in fact we want to keep our lives intact the way they are. We just use Jesus as an advisor. We sort of listen to what he says. When it lines up to what I want, I'm all for it. If if it's a way to get a blessing that I want, I'm all for it. He's just not quite Lord of my life yet. To follow Jesus is always costly because it means giving up what we want for us so that we have what Jesus wants for us. Again, to follow Jesus is always costly because it means giving up what we want for us so that we can have what Jesus wants for us. So the question for us today is, what do we need to leave behind? And what are we still dragging around with us? What are we still dragging around with us? What sin are you dragging around with you today? What sin have you not taken to him today? Because you know The reason why you're dragging that around is because you absolutely know when you get close, it's an unpleasant experience. It's an unpleasant experience. But see, brothers and sisters, that's the point of the gospel. That's the whole point of the gospel. Jesus came to take that unpleasantness away, He came to take that away. Because you are in Christ, drawing near to him, is no longer an unpleasant experience. You can boldly go to the throne. You can boldly go to God with your suffering, with the things that you struggle with. You can boldly go to him because of what Christ did for us. See, that's what he came to take away. We know that it is an unpleasant experience to be in the presence of God without the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ and His righteousness and His robe of righteousness that wraps around us. I want you to see something. I want you to turn with me to John 21. I want you to see the gospel in action. Maybe you're here today and and it was just a rough week or maybe there's some sin in, in your life that you're You're just like, I got to hide it. I got to hide it. I got to cover and hide, cover and hide. I want you to see the gospel on display in Peter's life. I want you to notice the very same miracle is right here in John chapter 21, verses 3 through 7. Let me just set it up just a bit for you. This is after Jesus went to the cross, he died, he was buried. He's resurrected, but he hasn't shown himself to these men yet, and, and so whether well, they're going, they're going back to what they know. <laughs> I'm going back to fishing. But we're looking at Peter's life. There's something hanging on Peter's life. You think about it, and many of you know that you know your Word of God. The last thing that Peter did was deny Christ. He had the guilt of denying his Lord and Savior. Hanging on him. Hanging on him. Now you think about Peter in the boat in in Luke 5. Peter in the boat in in Luke 5 saw the power of Jesus, saw who he was, saw who he was, went to his knees, says, I am a sinful man. Get away from me, Jesus. Get away from me, Jesus. Let's read in John 21, verse 3. That disciple whom Jesus loved, this is John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, what did he do? Did he cower in the boat? Did he hide from the Lord? Now you remember, Peter's carrying the guilt of denying Christ. He is carrying that guilt with him. What does he do? He put on his outer garment, for he is stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea, and he ran to Jesus. And he ran to Jesus. He ran to him. So you no longer have to be afraid of being in the presence of a holy God. Peter knew his sin in Luke 5 just as he knows his sin of denial in John 21. But Peter learned the truth of the gospel that is the only way you can explain the difference in his reaction. Now, Peter takes all his sin, and instead of running from Jesus, he runs to him. Just as the high priest would enter the Holy of Holies where the presence of God dwells, Jesus, our high priest, has entered the presence of God, and he laid himself down at the altar. And he did that so that we do not have to be afraid in the presence of God. God desires to be with you. You can take your messed up life and run right into the throne room of grace with it. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is calling you to follow him today. He is calling you to listen to his word and to respond to his call. Answer his call. Decide to follow Jesus. And as an old hymn would say, then keep the cross before you and leave the world behind you and never, never turn back. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we've seen in our passage today that he's called to listen to your word. We're called to listen to your word, to see Jesus' power. And Lord, we're called to follow, to leave everything to buy, to be fishers of men. Lord, I just pray today that whatever we came into this room carrying, that we we don't have to hide anymore. We don't have to cover anymore. Like Peter, we can get out of the boat and run to our Lord and Savior. He knows our hearts. He has forgiven us of all our sins. He knows what we're suffering through. He knows what we're struggling with, and we can run to him. We can run to the throne of grace. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do that today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Mountain City Church. To learn more about our church, visit our website at mountaincty.church. Thanks again, and may the Lord bless your week.